0: That was the only thing that made me feel like a G. You know, I used to hang out with my homies at Alamany Farmers Market, right? At night with some with some Cardi when I was like 16, 17. We'd be on top of trucks. You know, that was our st- we'd be wrapping our asses off. And I could see the crowd, right? You know what I'm saying? Visualizing. I was saying my stuff. And, you know, that was that was the most powered I've ever felt in my life. That was Coffrey J,
1: founder and executive director of Hip Hop for Change. I'm Jeff, and you're listening to Storied San Francisco. I first heard about Hip Hop for Change on KPOO's Sunday afternoon show of the same name. I loved how good and local the music was. But even more than that, I loved what I was hearing between songs when DJ Coffrey took to the mic. In this episode... Coffrey traces his story back to his parents, who met when they were kids in the Bayview Hunters Point in the 1960s. He takes us through his early years, when he sang in choir, and onto his high school days, when he got into some trouble and was moved out of public school and into School of the Arts. This ended up having a positive effect on the young man. But at a 2003 protest of the Iraq War, the activist in him woke up. We'll be back Thursday with part two. Here's Khafri.
0: Yeah, I mean, recently I took a, pretty recently, relatively recently, a 23andMe DNA test. But so shit, now they got your stuff. They got, they got my got your stuff. Yeah, I yeah. mean, yeah, feel free to use it, homie. <laughs> Proud, you know what I'm saying? Like, go for it. Yeah. Uh, and I'm actually happy with the amount of uh, African-American people that have been using it because right. it has been able to tell part of our story that we've had lost to the throes of white supremacy Mm -hmm. and whatnot. So it's pretty interesting. Um, You know, I'm 52%... You know, the descendants of slaves. Okay. Uh seven percent indigenous and thirty eight percent uh master slave rape. So Okay. Uh that's my history. Sally Hemmings
1: <laughs> Thomas Jefferson straight, story.
0: Straight, right? That quote yeah. unquote love story. Yeah, get out of here. Right. Anyway, uh that's that's where my blood comes from. Um but yeah, I come from an amazing family. Uh, my mother was one of seven children from Ohio. Okay. She got out here when she was four, uh, moved to Hunter's Point.
1: With her family yeah. of seven. Okay. Yeah. Do you know what brought them out here?
0: I mean, the same thing that brought all black people out here, work and yeah. trying to escape white supremacy. Um, unfortunately, it's everywhere. All right. We followed them. Yeah. We got to the most racist place and the most segregated place ever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they came do out you, here for work. Do you know what year... Or about I think I think I want to say my mom was born in 1954, I think fifty eight. Yeah, around fifty eight is when, when they came same out. Same year
1: there. as the Giants, I think. Yeah, right.
0: Sure. Hey, hey, hey McCovey. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, you know back then, you know the shipyard was was kicking. It was kicking. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. It was kicking. Um, also experiments and radiation and all kind of stuff. Right. My father was the youngest of six boys. Oh, his, <laughs> your poor grandmother. My grandmother, my grandmother was my grandmother was a piece of work. She was a powerful woman that ran her household. Right now, my grandfather, my grandma ran that, and she ran six boys in Hunters Point in the sixties. Yeah. yes, in the fifties and sixties, rather. Mm. So my dad was the youngest of that. Okay. Uh, which comes with this, which comes with a whole other load of things that I also had to deal with coming up under him. Um, but yeah, I'm opinion, the
1: youngest of three boys. Could you? So imagine? I know a little bit about what you're talking. Yeah. Do you want to go? I mean,
0: yeah. I mean, think of think of the story of of young black men in San Francisco, right? That's a story of finding our power. You know what I'm saying? That's a story of finding our worth. Um, and I think everybody has to kind of find out who they are. But I think for black men, Mm -hmm. specifically, there's a a journey, you know, having to deal with the way media represents us, you know what I'm saying? Uh, The way we're told strength comes, right? Mm -hmm. Our our, our male toxicity, our patriarchy, right? You know what I'm saying? Um, And then also dealing with white supremacy, thinking certain things about us, you know what I'm saying? Don't cry, this, that, you know, or or, or whatnot. So I had to deal with that coming up. I know my dad had to deal with that coming up, and I think, especially at the time he came up, you know, we have the killing of black leaders. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? We mm-hmm. have, you know, he started raising me and my brother when crack hit. You know right. what I'm saying? Like, right. and when we saw our neighborhood just. Dissolving, you know what yeah. I'm saying? So, you know, first off, my hat, my hats off to my, my mom and dad for just surviving. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Uh just surviving to be able to breathe, let alone working their butts off to make sure me and my brother were able to go to school, go to a good school. Yeah. Um uh, we always have food on our table and clothes in our back, even though we were poor. Yeah, my hat's off to my parents. It was definitely difficult. Uh I did not grow up the full house life. You know what I'm right, saying? I'm right. like I remember growing up being like, why is it my life like a sitcom you know what i'm saying yeah. like you know what i'm saying and, and i also remember being called the n-word when i was mm. in first grade i remember i remember when i was 15 working at the san francisco league of urban gardens right by the alamany projects and me and three other black friends one was fijian we got our paychecks on the same day it was my first paycheck we were 15 and- What's that? Yeah, we went to the bank to go get them cashed. Um, So, four black, brown kids going to a bank at the same time, 15. (sighs) Right. So waiting for one of our homies to get his bank account made because he didn't have a bank there, uh, account there. So while me and two other friends are sitting in the rest area, I look up and all of a sudden I've never seen that many guns pointed at me in my life. Right. Uh, I don't know if y'all know what the SFPD looks like when they think you're robbing a whole bank, like a never. whole ass bank. Oddly, it's never happened to me. Yeah, so somebody called the police, right, Jeff? <laughs> and they said, yeah. yo, there's four black men. Robbing a bank. And we yeah. were. I was going to go buy video games. I was about to buy my first video game ever, and so they were screaming at us. I don't know. At 15, I was. It was kind of raining that day. I had a big black umbrella. I threw that out of my hand as soon as I saw the guns. Mm-hmm. I didn't even think about it because my parents have had not the talk. That's how we talk. Talks. It's not the talk. There's yeah. no such thing as a talk. Mm-hmm. We speak. Mm-hmm. You know, we speak our experiences. But yeah. I threw that out of my hand. You know, it took us a while to realize that there's nothing else going on in the bank but us. Right. And so when we started walking out, five, single file with our hands up, I was third in line. My boy disappeared. Oh, shit. And then he, my other boy disappeared. And, I, I was, and I'm like, okay, well, shit, I got to keep, I got, no matter how petrified I am, I'm about to pee on myself. You know what right. I'm saying? I still had to continue walking out to guns. And I had a, 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 a gun on the back of my neck pushing so hard, I had stucco prints from the wall on my forehead when I got back home. I had a shotgun on my back, and they were beating the hell out of us, screaming, where's the money? Where's the good that with cars? And, and y'all were literally just trying to cash your check I was from, about to go buy a video work, I was 15. Be, yeah. I was like, wow, I made $76.52, something like that. I was That's about, a about a to a big go. fucking deal, that yeah, much money. It was money. huge. I was yeah. so excited until I was beaten down by the police for two and a half minutes until they realized we were just little kids, and I was yeah. screaming. I gotta check stuff in my backpack. I gotta check stuff. They were beating the shit out of us, and then all of a sudden, they all kind of like calmed down at the same time. And they're like, "Oh snap, we're sorry." <laughs> and i got another i got i got another gunpoint beaten down story like that because another white lady called cops on us i got so many stories of those can like, we hold off yeah yeah i wasn't <laughs> even gonna get into too many of the stories because i mean they just they're just masochistic you know what i'm saying yeah and they don't really inform you too much of i mean i can't i can tell all my stories but yeah. it, you already know how mad i am and why i'm mad and i'm justified for being mad so if you want to hear more of those stories it's great but i was gonna just say like i have plenty of stories but it's all the same thing you know yeah. what i'm saying and it all taught versions me the same of the thing. same yeah, yeah. It, it, it's the same thing that that it, you know when i talk about this this thing that young black men have to do in mm-hmm. places like hunters point san francisco mm-hmm. trying to find your power well i tried to get a job <laughs> i tried to get a paycheck didn't work <laughs> you know <laughs> what i'm saying you know i tried to go to school i tried to do that but i got into thirteen fights, quote unquote, my first semester. I was just getting bullied and, and right. no one cared. So my right. first, so coming out of a private school in fifth grade into James Look Middle School, I had a 1.17 GPA my first semester. Hmm. Uh, you know what I'm saying? There's all these things and young black men are trying things. And I imagine it's the same for young women as well, just with a whole extra fear component, you know, people predating on you and shit like that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there's all these things that we have to try to figure out. Where do we get to be safe at? to get money and to think highly of ourselves so right you know slowly that turned and that's in. a story from 20 something years ago not a lot
1: probably has changed
0: no i don't think a lot has changed for our young men um one thing that has changed is the kind of like the kind of self-fulfilled prophecy that our young black men are bombarded with you know mm. when i was coming up it was yeah be a gangster be a thug Pimp women, get as many girls as you want to, don't like um, them, punch any dude in the face, you know what I'm saying, like... Mm be hard, run your school. And so I fell into that. Like, by ninth grade, I had my own gang. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? By 10th grade, we ran our entire school. I had a gang war the first day of school during Damn. the year with the Jackson Boys, the Japanese gang from Gary Street. Oh, shit. Yeah, they they almost killed my boy And uh, two weeks before school. So we had 15 people in dress code that didn't even go to Phillip Burton at 7.30 in the morning of the first day of school. Like, Damn. yo, you know, call everybody you know, bro. To save the four people that we knew from that gang that went to our school. we I went, I went, left. I went left so hard because nothing supported me trying to find my power, my worth. The only thing that really did throughout all that besides stuff that was going to take my entire life from me was hip-hop. It was rapping, you know Mm -hmm, what I'm saying? mm -hmm. That was the only thing that made me feel like a G. You know, I used to hang out with my homies at Alameda Farmers Market, right? Mm-hmm. At night with some with some cardi. When I was like 16, 17, seventeen, we'd be on top of trucks. And that yeah. was our st- we'd be rapping our asses off. Yeah, and I could see the crowd, right? You know what I'm saying? Visualize, and I was saying my stuff, and you know that was that was the most powered I've ever felt in my life. You know wow. what I'm saying? Up until that point, right? It was just the most empowered I ever felt, and you know not only that, but writing raps lets you find out. Things that you feel and and, and things that you know that you didn't know you felt and you didn't know you knew Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like brings it out of you So I fell in love with hip-hop real soon and that's what kind of brought me Into myself I So your life informed your art, but then your art turned around and informed your life As usual, right? Yeah,
1: nice Can we hear a little bit more about your parents? Because you got them here storytelling-wise, but how did they meet? And um, Do you hear the story there? Yeah,
0: they met. I think when they were like five. <laughs> like, oh shit! You know, As kids, know, when my mom was like, my mom was like, like they lived. They're both families. The like, neighbors. They were like in the same. They were in the same neighborhood. You know what nice, I'm saying? They lived a couple nice. blocks from each other um two big black families uh i think their my grandmothers went to the same church for a little while yeah they did um so my dad and my mom were like sweethearts from like 11 <laughs> you know what i'm saying I mean... until until they got married and became two black people trying struggling to make it Right. being stressed out and they're still together and i'm so glad they are they still have their house in paloo that's you know what amazing uh but yeah, my hats off to them. I can't believe, I can't imagine what they went through. Yeah, just, talk about just resilience. Be, yeah, just to survive. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So
1: if they got here in the late 50s, like, do you, like did they? I know they they were in the Hunters Point area, but like, did they go over to the Fillmore? Did they know about redevelopment? Have you heard any of those stories? Yeah, I mean, because I know that was a big fucking.
0: It was thing. a huge deal, man. I, I there's a picture of my mom. Uh, Putting a uh, pinning a rose on uh, Osceola, Washington, one of the one of the hundred point five, the big the the activist women that went all the way to Congress to push for us to have really good housing because back then you know we were in old uh, World War Two barracks you know those projects so now the projects that we have you know I grew up they were shitty projects but they fought because what we had before was ridiculous right. right? Um, but there's a picture of my mom Pinning uh, a flower on uh, Osceola Washington I think it's her name I might be it? No, no, it's Ruth, Ruth Williams That's her, not Osceola Ruth Williams My mom was pinning that flower on her lapel at the Baby Hunter's Point Opera House, which I grew up mm-hmm. singing in the choir there and no being way. in plays and whatnot. I was gonna ask about your background, yeah, in just in music in general. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and thank God for my, my father. You know, my dad's an actor. He's a singer. Oh. Uh, he comes from, you know, uh, one thing he told me about his father. You know, his father pulled out a mouth harp one day, and, and he was like, "You can't play that." And he was like, "Boy, don't you tell me what I can't do." And he said, he said he started doing this this stomp, the slow. Old southern stomp. We said he felt his ancestors when he started stomping. He started hitting that mouth harp and singing, and he blew my dad away. Um, But my grandfather, my dad always told me, my grandfather is the one everybody listened to. He was the one that sang. He was the one that Mm -hmm. played the harp. He was the one that spoke in church. And and that's where we get all this stuff from. My dad was an actor, a playwright, director, and whatnot. Also worked construction and uh, worked at the post office, two jobs, and got no sleep for years so we can go to this Montessori school, put me in... Choir. I was acting. I've been all kind of stuff, um, but yeah, that's that's where I come from. My my dad, fortunately enough, when he was young, when he was. Around eighteen, you know, I think he went to SF State when it was free for a little while and met uh, another black thespian. And you know, ten, we tend to only need one black male in our lives to to in, inspire us as young black people. Okay, and that's why it's so important to, to know that less than one percent of teachers are black men. Like we right. need, and it's not even just for black kids. Right, like right, right. Every white kid needs a black male teacher. Right. Period. You know what I'm saying? It's so impactful, so important. Um, And I think there's something with, you know, black teachers that, that kids tend to trust and believe, Hmm. you know what I'm saying? They tend to just listen, uh, maybe because it's so novel, it's so new, maybe because we're so segregated, you know, maybe because they're in, uh, I don't know, but, uh, I know I
1: had a lot of women, black teachers, not a lot. I had, I had, it wasn't rare, but didn't have any black men.
0: Yeah. And and that's rare in the nation, right? Just to have black teachers in general, you know what I'm saying? Um, so yeah, there's there's that, but I'm I'm glad you know I'm glad those those you know small inspirative people in our lives you know set up my whole family for greatness allowed my dad to have an access to I don't know to pathways that could could awaken that that artist spirit that my that is a part of my my DNA I guess yeah, you know I'm what a, saying? I'm saying I not I guess <laughs> yes <laughs> you're, yes it is yeah, yeah. along with my epigenetic slave trauma too. Um, Coffer you said You had a brother Is that right Yeah I have an older brother Is it just the two of you
1: My younger sister as and well sister Okay yeah. What are Can you What are those guys doing uh, that, bro- that guy
0: In that Yeah woman? My brother uh, He is a genius he, I've never met anybody Who's got more Million dollar ideas Than him uh, More than Kramer From Seinfeld Yeah No <laughs> Yeah just like that, like this. Okay. Uh, but yeah, he's a master carpenter. Works for IETC, uh Local 16. Um, doing stuff like that. He's an artist as well. The mm. ceramics, painting, all that. When I was growing up, uh, I also did that too because I was able to see him doing it. Mm. Um, How much older? He's six and a half years older Oh okay. He also kicked my ass a lot <laughs> Okay Right Made me smell Slash. his armpits And shit like that Slash like, taught you What it's like Yeah <laughs> Well I mean When he gets his cane first I often tell him I'm gonna kick his ass As soon Cause he's hella bigger than me Like Right I'm, I'm, I'm an inch taller than him But he grew up with 30 pounds more muscle Naturally right? Okay. And studied like jujitsu. Oh. So yeah So I'm like the skinny Artistic one Creative guy Like emotional <laughs> Skater so, the yeah. Skater right Skater right So as soon as he gets In the cane first I'm beating him his ass he knows it's coming too um but Can i can't call
1: us quickly we'll come yeah, yeah. i can't i can't take
0: him right now it's good though it's good okay, though okay. uh and, and my but little, he's in, but he's in the area still yeah, right? yeah he yeah, is okay. he is uh yeah uh still in hunters point you know what i'm saying okay. one thing my family is is holding on to our resources my dad's and nice. press that on us forever, own property, you know, know your ancestral history, Mm -hmm. you know, fuck the police, you know what I'm Mm -hmm. saying? The white man is is the devil, you know Mm -hmm. what I'm saying? And, um, my dad taught me about that from early. I remember growing up with comic books, uh, What was that? The National Legacy comic books. It was comic books about Benjamin Banneker and Frederick Douglass and Rosa Parks. Like that was those were the comics that my dad had. So my dad taught me real quick that when you pass Third Street, you are not safe anymore. Mm. Don't ever think you are. Matter of fact, when my dad was young, if he crossed San Bruno Street, the white fire department would beat black kids. Down the police department would take kids from black neighborhoods and drop them off across the town in the Richmond. So it wouldn't, yeah, yep. Jeez. So, my dad, uh, and I'm fortunate that he taught me real because this is a game of survival, you know what right, I'm saying? Right. 52% of white women voted for Trump last year. Right. <laughs> Fuck out of here, you know what I'm saying? Right, uh, we're in the most segregated city in America probably, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. This gilded city that is literally one of the most disgusting liberal white supremacist places ever. You know right. what I'm saying? It's a damn shame to have 80% of your homeless people be black. Yeah, You know what I'm saying? And yep. you're cool with that. And you're still putting on next door, well, got to get these homeless people off the street. Oh, oh man, San Francisco is caring to me. And yeah. It's, you know, it's always been caring to me and it's never been anything else. I'm glad my dad was able to tell me that. Tell me that openly. uh, And also, you know, teach me a lot of love. Put me into private schools. You know, I was surrounded by white folks. I was surrounded by everybody. My dad had all the friends in the world. So he was was able to be honest with me about... Safety and the so and the sociology and the group dynamics and the power dynamics of white people while making sure I understood the psychology of hate mm-hmm. and you know the the individual importance of taking somebody for who they are. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad I grew up with a dad who worked his butt off that much. Uh, who was able to tell me that much about my people and about mm. what I'm dealing with. It was also tumultuous because he was yeah. a traumatized man and didn't have the most coping mechanisms. Okay. Uh, I got a two-year-old daughter. He was like, yeah, we didn't have timeouts at your age. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Back in those days, there was no such thing as a timeout. Right. I was like, that makes sense, you know what I'm saying? But I had, I got it. I had to deal with it, you know what I'm saying? Um, but luckily enough, he was a, a beautiful enough of a man that I think what he gave me on top of all that type of discipline Was able to get me past it, you know what I'm saying, Mm -hmm. Uh, and still be an actualized person. So,
1: was one of your parents more than the other uh, inspirational in getting you to sing in choir? My dad, my dad's a singer. My mom don't sing.
0: Okay, Uh, my mom plays the piano, uh, so that was her. Um, But my mom always encouraged me. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. so yeah, my dad's a singer. He's the actor. Uh, he's the one that got me into the choir, young and gifted children's youth choir. Okay. Got me into the plays with Farad Dews and Carolyn Williams at the Bayview Opera House. Did you like that stuff as a kid? Yeah, I loved it. Yeah. I mean, I didn't, you know, I wasn't really a Christian kid, so I didn't really care about Jesus too much. But I was in a choir singing about Jesus, and you know. Ain't no music like gospel music, oh, homie. Yeah. Like yeah, there's yeah. no music that hits blue notes like gospel does, mm-hmm. right? There's mm-hmm. no music that digs into your ancestral drums and digs all the stuff out of your person and puts them on the stage like gospel music. And I'm not Christian, but right. the songs are great. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? There's a power in it that yeah, you can relate to. Yeah. Uh and and I love being on stage. I say all I've yeah, I've been singing since I remember I've never been scared to sing I was just about to ask Were you ever nervous or shy or? Anything? I mean I Look I, sometimes Occasionally More of a uh, When I got a lot older And I was dealing with Like 15 years of smoking Newports And I started working With oh, my shit. falsetto oh, I kind of lost my falsetto In the early 2000s Okay uh, But I was rapping more then And singing a little bit So that's the only time I've really been nervous Around the singing Just like Am I gonna hit this note Cause you know Cracking on stage Is <laughs> <laughs> it's a horrible thing. Um, but nah man, when it comes It's to bad the, enough when you do it off stage. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, but then again I've always liked being nervous too. You know what I'm saying? It's mm. like that's 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 that type of shit's fun for me too. The adrenaline maybe or like Yeah, the, I mean every performing? time I get on stage, then right before they said the person before me, my heart drops a little bit. Oh, yeah. Right to this day. And yep. I've been in thirty eight states rapping. I've been in hundreds hundreds of stages. Um, I don't get nervous when I speak. Mm-hmm. That's easy. I rarely get nervous when I perform. Sometimes I, I I usually I get nervous when I sing a little bit. But yeah. yeah. But I always do it anyway, because I always love being uncomfortable. That's yeah. the one thing I've been able to hold on in my life. Is that I think one of the most important lessons my father ever taught me is like nothing's guaranteed. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? You're not safe, right? Mm-hmm. And you gotta be fine with that. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Like people In my nonprofit career, people are like, oh, be careful, you'll burn out. And I'm like, I was burnt out when I was 13. I'm a black man from Hunter's Point. What are you talking about? Like, I'm tired right now. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um,
1: But yeah. um, When did you get started the the, uh, farmer's market? Or this, the the Elamani market. Oh, that was, I was fifteen. When, you were
0: fifteen. That was fifteen, and that was the late was like 90s. late nineties. Late nineties. Okay, yeah. okay. And that didn't work. So I was like, okay, I'm gonna stop trying to get a job. <laughs> like, okay, so I stopped doing that. Uh, yeah. you know, it didn't really work out for me. Yeah. Um, Who it, were you, some of your influences back then? When I was, like, 15? Yeah. I mean, it depends. I mean, there's there's influences in some... There's so many aspects of your life to be influenced by. You right, know what I'm right. saying? Um, back then, I was influenced... Uh, like, right after that, I was being heavily influenced by Bone Thugs and Harmony, okay. RBL Posse, E-40, DMX. You know what I'm saying? Like, I was angry. I was angry angry kid i was Mm -hmm. i was pissed Mm -hmm. livid, and i didn't i was just didn't get anything and i didn't understand why i didn't have an easy time and everybody else walk around and shit was hunky-dory for them right i was fucking angry so a lot of what was inspirational to me was people taking power and taking power for themselves without asking Mm -hmm. Uh, so a lot of the music that i was listening to at that time was Bone Thugs, East 99, you know, E40 Dusted and Disgusted, Tupac, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But Tupac, when he was starting to go into thug life, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Um, yeah, I, I used to draw comic books at that time. Oh, shit. Yeah, yeah. Deadpool, I love Deadpool. Okay. I right? didn't give a fuck. Right? I, loved, yeah. I loved Spawn, I loved Venom. That was like, you know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. I was pissed. I was an angry kid. Uh, and I went to, you know, Philip Burton and i actually got smooth kicked out of there in my mm. junior year i went to 13 days the first day of my junior semester oh, okay. i was robbing people every day okay so we get on the i just wrote a song about it for my third album about the release in a little while but we come to school at 7:30 in the morning smoke blunts you know loop force right across the street and then at eight o'clock when the bell rings i was on the bus and we were just robbing people until one Fuck. or two You know what I'm saying? we get on the bus, and we'd be like, we had a little gang. we just point to somebody, and you'd have to get them. Uh, Yeah. My nickname back then was Shorty. I was the shortest dude in the clique, so I had this little Napoleon complex. I did so. You were angry. Yeah, I was so mad. I was so mad. I was so (laughs) heated. Oh, my God. And I used to just catch the 29 and just get people. I've been arrested twice for it, and thank the Lord. uh, The universe saw it fit for those charges to be dropped. Mm -hmm. I think usually when I ride people, I just talk to them. I was like, "You should give me your shit," you know what I'm saying? Like, you, you negotiated? Mean, yeah, I mean, like, sometimes people were laughing when I was like, "Bro, this is gonna happen." Just yeah. like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's nothing. I need it. You got it. Uh, but the two times I got arrested, um, yeah, that was a wake up call. The first, you know, the funny thing, the first time I got arrested, I called my mom. Oh yeah, I said, "Mom." <laughs> I got arrested. She said, you got yourself in there, you get your ass Ooh. out. Click. And oh. I was like, "Mom, mama, mama, I was like, mama. Mama." <laughs> I was like, Yo. And that was the best. Thank you so much, mom. I yeah? love you for that lesson. Oh yeah. Um and yeah, um it was it was a unique experience, you know. It, it kind of woke me up cuz I always valued getting to my dream, you know, building family, you know what I'm saying? Going somewhere I valued education and, and those, those times of losing total freedom. Like you got to spread your butt cheeks and <laughs> like yeah. I was like I can't I can't do this. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. Um, and and, and I think that last time I got arrested, um, and then I got kicked out of Philip Burton and I went to School of the Arts after that. Okay. Yeah. So School of the Arts. That is, that's when I kind of woke up. Okay. Yeah. So now I'm with a bunch of hippie kids doing art, and I started doing ceramic sculpture and art. You know, positive expression. All of a sudden, I'm the black kid in the school now. Yeah. I'm like, and there was a couple of black kids in the school, and everybody treated them like they were the hardest shit in the world. And then I got in there, and I was actually from the hood. And right. Then all those kids were like, "Oh shit!" So like, <laughs> but I was like the coolest kid in the world because all of a sudden I'm like, oh, "There's a hood kid. Oh my god, this hood kid." Uh, so yeah, it was it was an interesting situation being in the school of the arts. Were um, you skating already? No, that's where I started. I mean, every kid in Hunter's Point knows how to skate, rollerblade, get on wheels, do everything, roll down hills going way too fast. Like, we do whatever we can. We jump off of everything. Mm-hmm. Like, right? all black kids do this stuff. Like, I don't know. I don't know other kids, what they do. But everybody knew how to do a little skateboarding. And we didn't know what no hill flip was or an ollie back then. Right. But when I got to school the arts, somebody had a skateboard. I jumped on and I was like, ah. And they were like, oh, shit, you know how to skateboard. And then he did an ollie. And I was like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> I was like, well, how'd you do that? Right? Because I didn't know anything about that. Yeah, I just knew how to like roll. I had roller skates. And... He was in the
1: air without jumping off or something.
0: Yeah, I was like, what <laughs> going on? And then all of a sudden, I'm skateboarding now with all the white kids at School of the Arts. And they're all taking shrooms and acid. And, oh, shit, and right. like, there's dancers and there's raves. And there's all this whole other shit. And I'm like, wow. And I, yeah. I, I stopped being so angry. You know okay. what I'm saying? Was um, it was like,
1: almost like you were in Oz. Yeah.
0: Right Different part of the city <laughs> It's mind like a forest you, over there And mind like, you was also on state campus so Yeah That's when school The arts was on state campus Oh okay But okay. You should never have A high school on a college it's super campus weird, but right <laughs> it was great it is st- no, you know sh- you shouldn't have it for a kid you'd be like that was the coolest shit ever yeah um because it was but um yeah man you know getting there and being in that environment being able to express myself really investing myself in rapping at this point that's where i met my first you know partner in crime with rapping, richie cunning okay one of the dopest rappers in san francisco that's ever come out of san francisco check him out richie cunning um yeah i just threw myself in the music man I myself in my art uh, I started teaching um, with the Center for bilingual education um,
1: teaching uh, how old were the kids
0: uh, I was helping kids with their, you know, after school homework and shit while their parents were taking uh, ESL classes so okay. they can speak to their so teachers. So different ages. Yeah, different ages. Uh, that that That's started awesome. around 18 and whatnot, and then I got my ass kicked at the first Iraq War protest, and then I was like, you know what? Fuck the man, fuck the oh, system. Shit. That's when I started getting really into my activist space, and I'm like, I'm okay. gonna rap about this stuff. I'm gonna like, I wanna, I, I love protesting, and I got my ass whooped on fifth in market uh, by the police they beat everybody i couldn't believe like i understood police beating me up but when i saw all these white people on the thing protesting that police officer was like clear the sidewalk right. and a second later they start beating old white people in, in in wheelchairs and on bicycles and push this lady over her dog i was like this is not right <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I, was like, this, I was like i get you doing this to us but you can't this is supposed to be america
1: Was Coffrey J. On the next episode of Storied San Francisco, Coffrey continues the story of his life, including the founding of his nonprofit, Hip Hop for Change. Music for the podcast was produced, performed, and curated by Otis McDonald. Original photography is by Michelle Kilfeather. Aaron Lim of Bitch Talk Podcast is our contributing producer. And the show is produced and hosted by me, Jeff Hunt. Now in our fourth season, we have more than 150 episodes available on our website, storiedsf.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you can, subscribe, rate, and review our show so we can reach even more folks. And if you'd like to drop us an old-fashioned email, we'd love that. The address is storiedsf at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. Stay strong. Stay healthy. And we'll see you next time. This podcast is a proud member of the BFF.FM podcast network. Learn more at podcast.bff.fm
0: BFF.FM, best frequencies forever.